It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 931- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and welcome into the virtual bible study this is the may 1st edition of the virtual bible study and we appreciate you for listening to the program tonight we're live and we're ready to take your questions or comments over the phone at 877-381-4567 or over email Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use to direct your questions or comments to us tonight, and we do hope that you'll participate in the program. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is back from a trip to St. Louis, Missouri. Welcome back, Dad. Jacob, it's great to be with you tonight for the virtual Bible study. We're looking forward to a good discussion. We are looking forward to a good discussion, and in the studio to help us with the discussion tonight, a member of the church here at College View, uh, Anthony Petrochko is here. Hello, Anthony. Hey, good to be here. Thank you for coming tonight. And, uh, uh, Dad, uh, we had uh, talked about some topics for the program tonight, and you had one I thought was really good for us to think about, and that is uh, our finances and how we're using the material monetary blessings that God has given us in his service. Yeah, kind of look to the Bible to see how we should be viewing our money, how we should be using and managing our money. I think it's an important question and worthy of our discussion uh, money is a big part of life. It's a necessary thing, and the Bible actually says a good deal about it. So we want to find out what God has to say about our personal finances and how we should be using them. Uh, and earlier today, as we typically do on Thursdays, we sent out our question to our update list, and we've already got some feedback. We'd like to get a lot more feedback tonight. Uh, two questions we asked earlier today, and we'll still put those out there for your response. What's Number one, what's the most important factor that Christians should remember in regards to their personal finances? And number two, is it a sin to declare bankruptcy? Yes or no, why or why not? And so uh, I think we'll probably get to that last question later on in the program. You've got plenty of time to send us your email to let us know. Uh, what What's the number one thing we need to remember when it comes to using our money? And number two... Uh, the the question I think that should generate a lot of interest is about bankruptcy. A lot of people are declaring bankruptcy these days. Is it a sin to declare bankruptcy? Yes or no? Why or why not? Give us your feedback on those two questions. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Anthony, as we start the program, uh, it, we do need to put things in perspective, though. Uh, you're not uh, living in an extravagant house, and you're not driving a, uh, an exotic sports car, but you're rich, I'm rich, Everybody that can hear us tonight living in the United States of America likely is very rich, and we need to understand that we've got a lot of blessings, so we need to know how to use them. Definitely. I mean, we have to be good stewards of the things that we have, and we, you know, I'm glad that you pointed that out. We need to make sure that we recognize that we're extremely blessed in, in this country and in this day and age with all the technology, advances in medicine and so forth, but we definitely are very blessed people, and as Christians, we're obligated to to uh, do the right thing when it comes to those physical blessings. You know, a lot of times I, I think it's 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 worth meditating on the fact that we have things, things that we use daily and take for granted, that King Solomon would have just 
it would have he would have been blown away by the things that we that we have you know uh if if king solomon could have seen my old beat up van and see it running down the road at 65 miles an hour he would have just been absolutely awestruck he couldn't have imagined having such a possession as that if if he could have had hot and cold running water you know uh, you know a microwave oven all the things that we have and take for granted, King Solomon would have just been awestruck by these things. He didn't have wireless internet in his he, castle. He did didn't have, yeah, he didn't palace. have the internet. He didn't have all these things that we use. And so we really are rich and blessed uh, abundantly. We need to recognize that. I think sometimes we get in the mode of sort of poor mouthing and acting like we're, you know, as somehow deficient in blessings, and we're not. Well, the problem with it is, Dad, the more you have, the more you want. And uh, our uh, standards shift higher and higher. The more blessings we have, the more we think we need to have. And so we're never content, we're never happy, and we're never thankful for what God has given us. And we fall into the traps that uh, God has outlined so very clearly in the scriptures of uh, being rich and uh, being distracted and, and falling into sin as a result. I think that's right. So um, let's talk about this tonight. We want your input and, and the contact info. We give it out frequently. We want you to use it. We, we'd love for you to give us a phone call. You know, Surely you've got some thoughts about this. Give us a phone call, 877-381-4567. That's a toll-free number, 877-381-4567. Pretty easy to remember. And, of course, we're always out there on email at questions at collegeview.com. What do you think? What do you think we should remember? Number one, most important thing to remember about personal finance, and number two, would it be a sin if I declared bankruptcy? Yes or no, why or why not? We need your input on those questions. All right. Let us know your thoughts as we uh, discuss this important subject on the program tonight. And uh, as we talk about our finances, Dad, we need to remember that uh, what we've got is from God, and we need to be thankful for it. We need to, we need to remember it's from him. We need to be grateful. And... What I think we should, as as people of God, what we should always remember is that our the, our purpose for existence is to bring glory to God. Therefore, concerning our finances, the use of our finances ought to be such that it brings glory to God. Everything we have is from Him, and and several of our respondents on email have suggested the idea of stewardship, Jacob. And I think it is good to view it, view us as simply stewards of the things that God has given us. Randy from Jackson, Missouri, said. The most important thing to remember is that we are managers or stewards of money that belongs to someone else, God. We should use his money in a way that would please him. Uh, I agree with Randy on that observation. I think he's exactly right. Um, we've got an email from, uh, let's see here. I had another one here. Uh, yeah, Jim in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee says that God expects us to be good stewards of our money just as he expects us to exercise discipline in every area of life. Money is nothing more than a convenient commodity to provide for life's necessities and should be viewed as such. Remember, and we'll talk about this passage, I'm sure. Remember 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 8. But again, Jim mentions the idea of stewardship, that we should remember that we are simply stewards of the things that God has given us to use. And so I really think that's uh, an important consideration. Another email from Kelly says, uh, one of the most important factors, one of the hardest but most important factors to take into consideration is that the money we have is not our own. Everything we have belongs to the Lord. He's allowing us to be stewards over the things we have. What the Lord has blessed us with are also supposed to be blessings to the church. It's not enough to just say, I don't make as much or have as much money as someone else. The Lord wants to see what we do with what we have. If we can be trusted with a little, then we can be trusted with a lot. So there's at least three of our respondents who've already suggested this idea of stewardship, Jacob, that we need to view 
uh, ourselves as simply managers or stewards of the, the blessings that God has given us, and that we're to be using Him, using those things in a way that would please Him and bring glory to His name. Exactly right. I think uh, Kelly's email sort of alludes to the uh, parable of the talents, and we often point out that the talents represent the abilities that God has given us, and then that that money that was given to the the servants represents our abilities. But one of those abilities, Dad, is the money that God has given us. We need to realize that he wants us to be using that in his service as well. Yeah. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. So, you know, even our ability to work, to earn a living, to have financial resources is an ability that God gave us. And uh, this idea of stewardship is mentioned in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2. It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful, the Apostle Paul wrote. Uh, and, and then in Jeremiah 9, verse 23, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. And so all of those go right in hand with what our uh, emailers have suggested, the idea of stewardship. Keep that in mind. Never forget that. It's not about you exclusively. It's, it's that you're to be managing the blessings that God has given to you. Well, that really takes care of the pride that comes with the blessings that God has given us. A lot of times we get uh, pre-lifted up. We think, well, look at that paycheck that I'm bringing home. Look at the fine automobile I'm riding in and the, the house that I've got. Um, look at all the blessings I've got. I've got a little bit of extra money. I deserve to spend it on myself or I deserve to get some more possessions. And uh, so that really does help put it in perspective. It's God that gave it to us, and we ought to be using it for his service. Exactly right. All right, um, and uh, and look in Luke chapter 12, beginning of verse 16, uh, we understand the danger and the uh, responsibility that comes from uh, our finances. In Luke chapter 12, beginning of verse 16, he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain uh, rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night shall thou be required, shall, uh, thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Got to remember, Dad, that uh, it's, these blessings that we're getting are not for ourselves and for our own uh, personal gratification. They're for God, and we don't need to be laying the treasure up for ourselves, but be laying it up in the service of God. Seems like that's what the fully Ridge farmer had done there, exactly. He was just thinking about self, and he had completely excluded God from his thought process. I'm afraid there's an awful lot of people who are in that same category today, and it's a thing that as Christians we've got to be on guard about. We cannot be forgetting our relationship with God and materialism and so forth is a great danger that we need to be on guard about. Well, I'd like to read this article that Randy references in his email. Okay. I think it goes into the point we're talking about, um, and it's written by a guy named John Piper. And it's talking about our the economic stimulus package that's coming our way. I think my check is headed to, to my bank account next week. Did, well, have you gotten yours yet? I haven't got mine yet, but I'm, I'm sure looking forward to it, man, that big, All right. well, big check. This guy challenges us our, our thinking on that. For a moment, forget the political puzzle of getting money back when the country is $9 trillion in debt. The more immediate question is, how will you make much of Christ with your economic stimulus payment? The president says it will be in the mail in time for Cinco de Mayo. 
clue. Nobody in the world would see you spend your money on yourself and conclude that Christ is your treasure. They will assume you're just like them, no matter how loudly you thank God for this boon. That you did that that, you, that doesn't mean you shouldn't spend it on yourself the way we do with most of what we earn. Not everything we can look uh, we do can look different from the world. Eat, pay utilities, fill up the car, wear clothes, even thrift store clothes. And yes, we hope somehow that spending on ourselves in some way contributes to our being more Christ exalting people. But do we really need this money? Very few do. We would have gotten on fine without it if we didn't know it was coming. Wouldn't we? Wouldn't even be feeling the desires we are feeling right now. May I encourage you to be radically creative and hedonistic? Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive in Acts chapter uh, twenty, verse thirty-five. And those crazy Macedonians, in a severe test of affliction and in extreme poverty, had an abundance of joy that overflowed in a wealth of generosity. They even begged Paul for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints, 2 Corinthians 8, 2-8. They really believed what Jesus said, really. Before the check comes, dream of some person or ministry that might make much of Christ because you treasured him above your next home project. The reason God created money enabled us to earn it so that we could show by the way we use it that money is not our treasure. Christ is. That's why the checks are coming, so we can make Christ look great. That's an interesting uh, thing. You know, we talk about how we're supposed to be using our money in God's service. What are we thinking about when we get this check? When we, when we get a little windfall of some sort or another, how, how do we view that? Do we, we say, oh, boy, I can get uh, that thing I've been looking at at the store. Yeah. Oh, boy, there's some money I can use to help somebody out or help spread the gospel. So, yeah, I think we, you know, I think we need to – we certainly, if we're willing to accept that this is a gift from God, then we need to be – you know, have the spirit of of honoring that by giving something back. I think that's definitely a a good notion. That's something that we should think hard about and giving some of that money back. If it if you're truly thankful for it, then you know, show it by and it's excess. It's not. Right. I mean, you you don't have you didn't have that in your budget. I hope that, right uh, right. So that I'm going to really feel guilty now if I go out and buy that that new rechargeable electric drill I've been wanting at Lowe's. But, you know, it, is, it really is something to think about that, you know, this is a windfall that we, we as you said, Jay, we didn't, we hadn't had it in our budget. We were going to get by without it. So if we would have gotten by without it, then this might be an opportunity to do something really good that we wouldn't have had the opportunity to do otherwise. So that uh, I appreciate Randy sending that well, in. What can rewrite the parable in Luke chapter 12, the uh, parable, he's speaking a parable in saying the uh, government of a certain rich man, Paid him plentifully. He thought within himself, what shall I do? Because I hadn't planned on this. What am I going to do with it? And so he, he went out and bought more stuff. He went and got more stuff with it, and, yeah. and the story ended the same way. Yeah. Yeah, Good. that's a good good thing to think about. All right, uh, let's take a break, and we'll get your thoughts. Uh, let us know what you think about what we've been talking about. Let us know what you think about our finances at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. Hello, everyone. I'm Britt Haynes. I'm a member of the College View Church of Christ. A lot of people in the religious world today tell us that as long as our heart is right and we truly love God, we can do whatever we want in our service to Him. They say that what we do doesn't matter because God is only interested in our heart. I believe they have it all wrong. True, God is interested in our hearts, but He's also interested in our actions. One reason why is because our actions describe the true condition 
of our heart. This is what Jesus taught in Matthew 12, verse 34, when he said, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. So I believe that if we are doing whatever we want to in our service and are not serving God exactly like he has asked, then our heart is not right before God. The members of the College View Church of Christ are committed to making sure that both our hearts and our actions are pleasing to God. If you're interested in doing the same, we encourage you to join us for worship this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. Hello, my name is Preston Jackson. I'm from Valdosta, Georgia, and I love to listen to the Virtual Bible Study on Thursday night. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the Virtual Bible Study every week. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study. Thank you for being a part of it tonight. And uh, the phone line is open at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Take this time to join in on the program tonight. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, We're talking about how to use our blessings in God's service. What's our responsibility towards our finances? It is something that we need to be thinking about because we're all rich. We all have abundance in this country, and we need to make sure that we're using that abundance in a way that's pleasing to God. You know, Dad, I think as we talk about our finances and we look at the world around us, you see advertisements continuously about retirement planning, and uh, and you need to be planning for your retirement because it seems the goal of everyone in our society is to get to a point where you don't work anymore, where you sit around and um, people bring you uh, drinks uh, with little umbrellas in them and uh, fan you and uh, and rub your feet all day long, and you just sit there and watch the world go by. That's that You have arrived in our society, if you get to that point, that the Bible tells us repeatedly, all the way back to the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, Dad, that uh, we are to be working. Uh, that's our. That's how God created us. Yeah, we have a we have a need for work. Now, that's not to say we can't retire at some point. I no, think. no, but that's but yeah. the the goal. I mean, yeah. it, people that are twenty five years old think, boy, if I just had enough money where yeah, I didn't have get, to work, get, get rich quick and then not work right. anymore. Uh, but I, I agree with you that God created us with a need for work. Actually, it's in our basic nature as God created us. And you reference the the account in Genesis chapter two. There, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. A perfect environment for man. I think you'd have to agree this is the perfect environment for man. God created it that way. And in that environment, part of the job, part of what was perfect about it was work for Adam to do. He was told to tend the garden there. I think it's about verse 15 of Genesis 2. And so uh, that that is a need. And God expects us to work. In other words, concerning personal finance, that's our theme for study tonight. In regards to personal finance, we're supposed to earn them. We're supposed to earn our 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 uh, resources. We're supposed to get out and work and not be lazy. And there's a whole lot of admonitions in the Bible about being industrious, not being lazy. Second Thessalonians 3.10 is a familiar one. Paul said, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Uh, that's a pretty plain statement. I, you know, one of the things that's appalling in our, in our modern day culture is that there are so many people who are not working, who are now, that's not to say that everyone who's on the on a government uh, assistance program of some kind or another is is a lazy person. I don't mean that at all. Some people certainly deserve and need that kind of help, and we should be grateful that there is a, a safety net available for them. But we're also aware of many who are lazy and won't work. And part part of what God expects of us, in so much as we are able, is that we work to earn a living. Exactly right. We must be working in First Thessalonians chapter 4, 11 through 12, and that you study to be quiet and do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you may walk honestly towards them that were, are without 
and that you may have lack of nothing. It's a command, Anthony, that we be working, and we need to understand that this is how God designed us. This is what God wants from us. He wants us to be busy uh, working to provide for our needs. Right, and, you know, I think there's the old saying, the devil finds work for idle hands. I mean, that's not something from the Bible, word for word, but certainly that principle applies. Uh, You know, if we're not uh, being industrious and working to provide for ourselves, and there's, you know, certainly one aspect of that is, you know, we've got too much leisure time, we're going to find ourselves in trouble. But, you know, we definitely need to be, uh, you know, the Bible is clear that admonishing us to, to be a working people and, uh, as that verse that you just read says, um, so that, that we ourselves, you know, would not lack anything, but of course, by extension, so that we can have those or have abundance to give to those who aren't as fortunate. And the book of Proverbs, Dad, repeatedly tells us the danger of being a, uh, slothful and uh, being uh, lazy. Uh, repeatedly, we're told that. Yeah, Proverbs 6, beginning verse 6, go to the ant, you sluggard. I like that. A pretty plain statement. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which, having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. One of the very plain statements. And there are a number of them just in the book of Proverbs, but also throughout the scriptures, warnings about laziness. And so one of the one of the ways that we have personal finances to use for necessary things, it, well, principally the way we have those is that we work. And if you don't have enough, then maybe you need to work harder. I think probably most of the people who are listening tonight have heard Dave Ramsey on the radio from time to time. And Dave very often tells those who call in and they're, they're in the money pinch. They don't have enough money. They're getting, they're in debt and getting deeper in debt. And, uh, he encourages them to work more. Go get another job. Work a second job. Do other things to, so that you have the, the resources that you need. A lot of people are in trouble financially because they won't work hard enough to take care of their needs. And so a godly principle, a biblical principle is work for your living. All right, and uh, as we talk about working for a living, uh, we need to remember the reason why we work, Dad. The Bible's clear at giving us the reasoning why we should be industrious, why we should be working with our hands, and it's not so that we can get more stuff for ourselves. No, it, it, it's primarily to supply needs, uh, you know, and, and we're supposed to be accountable to provide for ourselves. First uh, Timothy 5, verse 8 if any provide not for his own, especially those of his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Those who won't work and who will not provide for their own families and for themselves, uh, this is a sinful thing. God regards such a person as worse than an infidel. Why the strong language there that they've denied the faith and they're worse than an infidel? Well, because the faith of God says that you're supposed to be working. And if you won't work and if you won't do that, then you've denied what the Bible plays. Show says. by the way you live that you don't yeah. believe what God said. Right. Exactly right. All right, and uh, there's other reasons why, Anthony, that uh, we were to provide for the needs of our family, but also those outside of our family need assistance, and we need to be providing for that with the, our income. Sure. Uh, for example, in Ephesians 4:28, it says, uh, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may give to him that needeth. So, again, you know, emphasis there in this particular verse on uh, working uh, so that we can have things to give to others who who are in need. And, and then 
probably what we should have listed first here is that working gives us the opportunity to give generously to the Lord's cause, to support his kingdom here on earth so that the work of the church can be accomplished, the gospel can be spread, all the things that the church does uh, that it's authorized uh, to do can be accomplished. Second uh, Corinthians 9, verse 6 says, This I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. Jacob, we recently had a, a, a whole study on the virtual Bible study about giving, about our giving, about how we should be giving. Uh, some of our listeners might like to refer back to that for an encouragement about what the Bible teaches us. But, you know, as we as we earn a living and maybe as as was suggested earlier, we get a windfall of money uh, one, sometime or another. Do we think, wow, this is great because it gives me a chance to give more to the Lord? It gives me a chance to maybe look for some other people who are not as fortunate as I am to help them out. We need to be doing that. All right. And, uh, you know, nowhere do I see in there that uh, work so that you can um, build up a big bank account so that you can uh, get lots of luxuries. Certainly, it's not a sin to have a large bank account. It's not a sin to have luxuries. But we need to be careful that our focus in life and the reason our motivation for working uh, we need to be careful it doesn't evolve into greed and covetousness, Dad, where I just want the money so I can get more stuff. I get up every morning and I go work hard so that I can get more stuff for myself. Uh, that kind of mindset uh, is getting on to a sinful mindset, Dad, where uh, the, the money has taken a hold of us and has uh, caused us to look at it in the wrong way. Well, I think that's the next point we've got to get to, and that's the idea that love of money is – no, we've got to have some money. God blesses us with things. It's not wrong to have it. It's not wrong to have it. We're going to talk about that too. But God, God's blessed us. We're stewards of the blessings God's given us. We should be grateful for them. We should work because God expects us to work to provide for ourselves and to have the opportunity to help others and, and help his kingdom and uh, the church. But a great danger is, is the love of money and the danger of covetousness. And the scriptures, again, are real, real plain about that, Jacob. Certainly are. Uh, First Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world. It certainly can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Uh, Dad, uh, we see there the, the... dangers of uh, this idea of loving money. We've got to be careful about that. Uh, later on in the passage here, we see that uh, the, the damage that it does to people's soul uh, as a result of, of going after piling up more and more money. He says uh, in that same text, First Timothy 6 at verse 17, continuing, charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. So th- this passage is really written to us. Charge them that are rich in this world. We were talking at the start of the program about how wealthy we are. So here's a d- direct statement to us. We are rich in this world. And so and it also gets the next point we we're talking about. We we're talking about don't be proud about all the things that we don't have. Be, don't be high minded. Don't be proud. Don't trust in these things. Trust in God. 
and and use the money in ways to glorify God, like we were saying earlier, rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Uh, don't hoard these things up for your own gratification. Be ready to use them in ways that will glorify God. So that passage, 1 Timothy 6, beginning at verse 6, running all the way down through about verse 19, is really a strong passage. I've often pointed out, too, there uh, that the passage is not just to those who already are rich, but in verse 9 it says, They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. In other words, the desire for riches, you don't have to have them. You just have to have this this inordinate desire for them. If you have an inordinate desire for riches, then you've put yourself in a position of temptation and all kind of trouble can result because of that inordinate desire for money, materialism, covetousness. Certainly is a danger. And, Anthony, it's one of those sins that creeps up on us, too, uh, over time. Definitely. You know, it's not something that, uh, you know, you wake up the next day and decide, uh, you know, it's something. And that's true, you know, with a lot of sin. It's, it's sort of a snowball effect and tends to catch us by surprise. And um, you know, it's something that, that gets worse over time. But, you know, we do live, you know, with the media and we're constantly being bombarded with advertisements and things like that, that we need to have this and we need to have that uh, or the latest and greatest gadget will make our lives better. And, you know, in our society is so materialistic that it's very easy to get caught up in this idea of covetousness and always wanting more and bigger and better and faster and, and so forth. That We just really have to try very hard to remember those verses that we uh, that we read earlier about being content. And, uh, you know, it says with food and clothing, be content. That's that's all you need. I mean, that's quite a far cry from the things that we consider uh you know necessities. Oh, you know, yeah. We consider a computer a necessity, for right. example. Uh, would you? Would, would we be content if we just had some clothes to wear and something to put in our mouth? Most of us wouldn't be. I mean, we would think we were deprived in, in a situation like that. Well, maybe we need to reevaluate our, our way right. we're looking at things. Well, what we what we need to realize is that now it, it has to do with our mindset and our outlook on these things. Materialism is really a threat to spirituality. Jesus said in Matthew six in the Sermon on the Mount. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And he went on to say in verse 24, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. I think Jesus really there exposes what the problem is. It's who you're serving. It's not whether you have some money. One person may have some more money than another, but... If you're serving money, if that's where your treasure is, if that's where your ambition is and your priority is, then you've you've taken a serious blow to your spirituality. Certainly so, something we need to be on guard against. Um, in Mark, Mark chapter 10, verse 23, beginning, Jesus looked around about and said to his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but with God, uh, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Uh, certainly there, Dad, uh, the danger to us spiritually is that these these possessions can get in the way of us making that trip towards Jesus heaven. said your your riches are going to make it harder for you to enter the kingdom of God. 
So he didn't put any exceptions on that either. Did uh, he? So that that says that we have we ourselves are in a dangerous position because we've already said tonight that we are among the world's richest people of all time. And that being the case, since we live in such an age of prosperity, we need to realize that we're in a particular danger. It's making us harder for us to go to heaven. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's hear your thoughts on the phone tonight. Eight seven seven three. Let's get. Let's especially challenge our listeners to get in uh, as soon as you can with that question about bankruptcy, Jacob. All right. Well, we'll be talking about that shortly. Uh, join in on the phone, 877-381-4567, or questions at collegeview.com. We want to hear from you on this important subject tonight. Stay tuned. We'll take a short break and listen to this week's bullet point. After a week of vacation, the bullet point is back, and we'll listen to that, and we'll be right back after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. In this age of modern media, we have unprecedented opportunities to look at, listen to, and participate in evil things. And with the rapid advance of technology, we can engage in these evil deeds with relative anonymity. In years gone by, if there was a desire to engage in these sordid and sinful activities, it was necessary to go out in public places to do so. Pornography was available, but only at newsstands and the like. Filthy movies were out there, but you had to go to the X movie house to see them. No more. A person can sit in front of his computer screen and quickly access via the Internet all manner of pornography, and no one can see him do it. Chat rooms allow perverted persons the ability to openly discuss their twisted passions with total strangers, and they are out of public view when they're doing so. With cable and satellite TV, it is possible to receive all manner of filthy programming and watch it right there in the privacy of your own home. This new accessibility with anonymity has already served as a downfall to many, including not a few Christians. We all need to be on guard about this powerful temptation. Never forget that God in heaven sees and knows all that you think and do. Ecclesiastes 12:14 says, For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Hebrews 4, verse 13 says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Are you engaged in things that you would not want others to find out about? If so, you should know two things. First, God already knows. And secondly, in the final judgment, everyone will know, for he will, quote, bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5. Christian, be careful. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, I'm Nick Law from Jennings, Florida. I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and hear God's word taught every Thursday night. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And welcome back. We're glad you're part of the program tonight, Dad. Good bullet point tonight. I appreciate that, and uh, it's good to have it back on the program. Yeah, we need to be. We need to be really thinking. We're talking about the danger of materialism. How we need to be using our personal finances. That's one of our challenges in the modern era, uh, because we live in a wealthy, prosperous age. Another challenge we face is the modern media and what it's doing as it continually pumps evil images and evil thoughts uh, toward us, we got to be on guard about that, too. So there's a lot of dangers, and so probably we are emphasizing some important things for people to keep in mind tonight. All right, and if you're just joining us tonight, we are talking about our material blessings and how we should use them in God's service. In a little while, we'll get into the question of when we don't have those blessings as abundantly as we might have had before, what do we do about bankruptcy? Is that... uh, a good alternative for Christians. We'll get into that question here shortly. We'd like to hear from you. Give us a call at 877-381-4567 or send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. But uh, materialism, Dad, is certainly a problem, and we've got to make sure that we are constantly, as you mentioned, Anthony, uh, trying to make sure that we remain content with what we have. Exactly right. right. That's right. Uh, you know, another verse along the lines of 
you know, uh, making sure that we're our focus isn't in, in the right place. You know, Colossians three says, uh, verse one: If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. So, it's, you know, it, it is it's such a difficult thing to do in our day and age. Um, you know, I think it'd be a good thing to just remind ourselves, read these verses about contentment on a regular basis, you know, and, and really keep those things in the forefront of our mind. Well, you know, uh, Jesus said that uh, where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. And uh, certainly you can think about uh, what draws your mind towards God and what draws your mind towards things here on earth. All the blessings that we have, all the possessions that we have, certainly lots of things for us to think about, how we would, what we need to do with those blessings, how we can enjoy those blessings, how we're going to protect those blessings. And it takes our mind away from thinking about heaven. Our heart is now here on earth and not in heaven. And as a result, we're going to be less motivated to try and go to heaven. Right. It's really kind of a vicious circle there. Uh, Paul's a great example about so many things. And he wrote in Philippians 4, beginning verse 11, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Paul there was a fellow who apparently, from what we can understand of his life, had at one time been very wealthy and influential in the Jews' religion, and he had given that up. And so when he said, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound, Paul had been at both ends of the spectrum, and yet he could speak about his contentment, he was he was not worried about it. He wasn't speaking in respect of want. He he was content, and that's the way we need to be. Well, here's an example, Dad. This is where we see these principles uh, really illustrated to us very vividly. Where do we hear about the gospel spreading rapidly? Do we hear it spreading rapidly in Europe or in the United States, where things are well off financially? We don't we don't hear about that. We hear about it spreading in the areas that are are not wealthy, they're, they're poverty-stricken, where things are difficult. Yeah, and it, for that matter, even in our own immediate example, uh, you know, our own immediate experience, in our own community, where are we most likely to find people who would be willing to study the Bible with us in a very affluent neighborhood or in a poorer neighborhood? I mean, that's just pretty, it's pretty obvious. We see it all the time. The truths of Jesus' teaching are being per, uh, played out for us in front of our eyes, and we need to understand that. We've got an email from Chris in Lexington, Tennessee, who's written, The hardest thing for me to remember is that it all belongs to God and we are just stewards. God has promised us or promised that he will take care of the necessities of life if we will put him first in our lives, Matthew 6:33. But I sometimes try to take matters in my own hands. Quote, no one can serve God and money, unquote, but the devil will try to tell us different. This could be our biggest struggle in this nation. I think Chris is exactly right there. Appreciate his comments. Right. Thank you, Chris, for listening and for joining in on the discussion tonight. We want to hear from you at 877-381-4567. Use that telephone tonight. Let us know your thoughts or send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Dad, we've talked about how we need to be careful about our possessions and how we have the right attitude towards them. Does this mean that we need to go to the bank tomorrow morning and uh, close out all of our checking and savings accounts and uh, and get rid of all of the money or the little money that we may have in there? Well, I think that's a question we've got to answer. I mean, the, the verses we were just looking at were telling us, you know, that you should have your treasure in heaven, not on earth. And it, it talked about the foolish farmer who, you know, was saving up and, and, uh, you know, he was, he was condemned for his approach to the matter. Would it tell us that if we have a bank account with anything in it at all, 
that 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 indicates that we are like the rich farmer or we are being uh, too materialistic. Is it wrong to save? I think that's a really worthwhile question to consider. Well, if we have the same attitude as the rich farmer, we don't have to go any farther. We are wrong. Because he had forgotten God in the the pursuit of wealth. But is it possible to have it and not have the same attitude that the rich farmer had? I think so. I, I, I picked something off of an article I saw on the Internet today, and the fellow was was pointing out that uh, you know, you've got to prepare for the future and you, you've got to be ready for even unexpected things. Uh, there's going to be good times and bad, he said. But I, I like this one comment. He said, uh, if I was smart, I would put aside a portion during good times to carry me over in bad times. This is exactly what Joseph did for Pharaoh, Genesis 41, 25 through 40. By saving 20% of the country's produce for seven prosperous years, Joseph was able not only to bring Egypt through the seven years of famine, but he had sufficient supplies to aid people from countries surrounding Egypt. Simple advanced planning can get you through the rough periods of life. I thought that was a pretty good observation. Joseph was commended as a wise person for saving toward a, a, a rainy day. We'd call it a rainy day or rough times. Or not a rainy day, not, maybe. <laughs> in his case, a lack of rainy days uh, that brought on a drought. Uh, and so I think we could look to Bible examples that would, sit, would would certainly say it's not wrong to save if our attitude toward that saving is is not uh, wrong. Joseph wasn't saying, I've saved for seven years so I can take my ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And forget God. And forget God. Exactly right. All right, so it's not wrong then that we would say to save, but as long as we keep in perspective what it's for and uh, that our treasure is not here on earth in our bank account. Another verse, Proverbs twenty one twenty. There is desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. In other words, what he's saying there is a wise man saves, but a foolish man consumes all that he has. So there the the writer of Proverbs is saying it's a wise thing to save some of what you have. So there's there's instruction like that in the Bible. So what we're saying is it, it, it has to do with attitude of heart. It's not wrong to have a bank account, not wrong to have some money. It's not even wrong to have a, a maybe a significant sum of money. It, what really matters is our heart toward that money, and God knows our hearts perfectly. And as we re- look at that sum of money as it grows, we need to realize the dangers associated with it are growing as well. And then the devil has a greater advantage over us, perhaps, if we do not keep the right perspective on those blessings. All right. Well, uh, we've talked about saving then, Dad. Let's talk about the reverse of that. What about uh, going into debt? Uh, would it to be um, would it be wrong for a Christian to take out a loan well before we do before we talk about that let's let's throw this last question out one more time i'd like to get a few more answers before we get to this what about bankruptcy we're talking about we're going to talk here about debt so we, we don't think it's wrong to save is it wrong to go into debt we're going to talk about debt but probably the the ultimate uh illustration or example of debt is someone who's so far in debt that they actually declare bankruptcy what about declaring bankruptcy is it a sin to take bankruptcy uh, yes or no, why or why not, get on record here. Give us an email or or, or uh, pick up the phone and call us, 877-381-4567. We want to hear about bankruptcy. I think that is a, a an important question. But let's just talk about debt first. I mean, uh, probably the vast majority of people who might be listening tonight have debt of one sort or another. Uh, very few people have their homes, for instance, paid for. Most people are making payments on the house they live in. They have they have a home mortgage, and they're making payments. And so they have borrowed money uh, from someone in order to have a home, and they're making payments on that debt. 
is it wrong to do that? Should we have saved up and paid cash? If that's the case, probably the vast majority of people would not be able to own a home because you can't save while you're paying rent somewhere toward buying a home. Should we have done that or is it okay to have a home mortgage? Uh, I think that we can conclude from the Bible that it's not a sin to lend money or to borrow money. In other words, if it's a sin to borrow money, then it would also be a sin to lend money, right? Those two things have to go hand in hand, logically. If it's wrong to be in debt, then it'd be wrong to be a lender to those who then would be indebted to you. But the Bible doesn't say that. There's just a lot of examples in the Old Testament uh, that were actually rules governing lending. So God's attitude toward lending and being in debt in the Old Testament was that it was not sinful. For instance, in Exodus 22, verse 25, If thou lend money to any of my people that is poor by thee, thou shalt not be to him as a usurer, neither shalt thou lay upon him usury. Now notice, he says, if you lend money to poor people, don't charge interest to them. The implication of that is, if you lend money to people who are not poor, you can be charitable in your, in your lending. No, this, yeah. So he's saying if you if you're lending to poor people, don't charge them interest. Leaving the implication if they're not poor people and you lend money to them, you'd be all right to charge interest. He says uh, he goes on to say if thou at all take thy neighbor's raiment to pledge, thou shalt deliver it unto him by that the sun goeth down. In other words, he's here's lending and taking collateral. This is what we saw. He's going to take his uh, coat or his garment for collateral, but give it back to him before. The, the cold of night sets in, he says, verse 27, this is Exodus 22, going on, verse 27, for that is his covering only, it is his raiment for his skin, wherein shall he sleep, and it shall come to pass when he crieth unto me that I will hear, for I am gracious. So God there says, he didn't say it's a sin to lend, but he, he posed some rules, don't charge interest to poor people, don't, don't take a man's cloak as collateral for what he owes you. Uh, in Deuteronomy 24, verse 6, he said, no man shall take the nether or the upper millstone to pledge, for he taketh a man's life to pledge. In other words, don't take the tools by which he earns his living, by which he makes his his, his daily sustenance. Don't take that from him as collateral for the loan that you're making to him. But again, the the implication of that is that God didn't say it was wrong to lend, but he imposed you know reasonable rules to regulate the lending so that there wouldn't be oppression of people in regards to, to uh, interest and so forth. Certainly, uh, uh, we don't see the lending or the borrowing prohibited, Dad, but we see rules that would regulate that in our attitude. Uh, certainly, we would have to ask ourselves, are we really being content if we go out and take out loans to buy the new television or to buy the new automobile or to buy the, the luxuries in life? Can we truly say that we have food and raiment, we're going to be content? I'm going to go out and... and yeah, you'd have to think that there in the Old Testament where those those rules for lending... And were, were being laid in. Those people who were who were borrowing were not borrowing to go out here and buy a new boat. Go on vacation. Go on vacation and go to, to the Disney World. Yeah. Take a cruise. Yeah. So we really we're leagues different from them. And so, like you say, it's a very questionable thing to think. I'm going to go into some incredible debt. I'm going to run up my credit card to their max because I'm content. But I really do want that new big screen. Uh, you know, high definition TV. You know, uh, we're just we we're just completely off the chart different in in those regards. But uh, but bottom line, I think we got to come back to the bottom line. I, the Bible does not say it's a sin to lend or to to uh, borrow. Uh, I don't think we could conclude that it's not a sin to be in debt. Now, 
other factors like contentment versus covetousness would come into that. Am I borrowing so that I can just have more and more and more and more? That's a, that's another consideration. But the bottom line question, is it wrong to be in debt? No, not necessarily. Uh, is it wrong for me to borrow so that I can have a house, take out a home mortgage and so forth? Not necessarily. It might be if I over-obligate myself to get a great big house because I, I have this proud spirit and I want to arrogantly show off, uh, you know, sure. yeah. and so forth. It could be, but it's, it's not... Fundamentally. Fundamentally. Right. All right. We're going to take a break, and we'll come back. We've got to get into this question about bankruptcy. We need to hurry. Uh, join in on the phone, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Could you, as a Christian, declare bankruptcy? We'll get into that next. Stay tuned. The Virtual Bible Study is back right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com, and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931-381-4567. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, in South America, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And we're back. We want to remind you this program is brought to you by College View Church of Christ. Check out our website, collegeview.com, and find out more about what the College View Church of Christ is all about. We're talking about finances on the program tonight, Dad. We've uh, talked about uh, how we need to have the right perspective, how we need to make sure that we're not allowing our treasure to be here on earth. And, Anthony, we're talking about debt now, and we've shown that scriptures don't come out and condemn debt. There are some passages some people might use, though, where they would uh, say that uh, the scriptures do condemn debt. Right. I think I do agree that, you know, especially the point that Greg made earlier, if it's okay to lend, then surely it would be okay to borrow um, but, you know, as you mentioned, you know, I think some people see, for example, Romans 13, 8 says, Oh, no man, anything but to love one another for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. So some people would take that, uh, maybe pull that out of context and say that, well, you know, you can't you can't take out a loan because you that makes that then you owe someone money. And I'm not so sure that's the right I, I application. Yeah, I'm not either. I, I would not agree with that conclusion. If, if let's say I've got a home mortgage, but I'm paid up. In other words, I'm current. I'm, I'm not behind. I'm not in arrears. I haven't missed any payments. If you were to contact the bank and do a credit check on me and and say, does he owe you anything? Their answer would be no. He's current. He's paid everything he's expected to pay. Right, and you have an agreement when you take out a right. loan for a mortgage. You have an agreement to pay that on a schedule, and as long as you adhere to that agreement, hold your end of that bargain, then then you're in good standing. You know, I would say that this verse would probably apply to a situation where you borrow, you say, a small sum of money from a friend, 
and you simply don't pay it back. Uh, you know, you you have wronged that person. You owe him something. You know, I think there's a difference. Here. Yeah. Psalm thirty-seven twenty-one says, "The wicked borroweth and payeth not again." Well, if that's what a wicked person does, he borrows and doesn't pay back. A righteous person borrows and pays back. The opposite would be righteousness, right? To borrow and pay back what you've borrowed. Good point. Uh, it's it's really a question, Jacob, about basic honesty. I think. Certainly is, and we need to make sure that uh, we are being honest. Um, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37, again, you've heard that it hath been said of them old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, thou shalt perform the, unto the Lord thy oath. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, neither by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black, but let your communication be yea, yea, and, and nay, nay, for whatsoever is more of these cometh of evil, uh, Jesus would tell us if we say we're going to take this loan out and we're going to pay you back in so many months, then if we say we're going to do it, you got to do it. You said you're going to do it, do it. I think that's the key. Let's, well, Jacob, before we run out of time, let's get to this question. I think it's a, I think it should be an interesting topic. And I, I got some feedback from some others just verbally that I had mentioned that we were going to be talking about this tonight. I actually made the point that I don't think that bankruptcy is necessarily a cut-and-dried subject. And some people say, what do you mean it's not cut-and-dried? I think they were assuming that I would take the position that it's always wrong to, to take bankruptcy. And I, I don't think it is necessarily always wrong. But it's time for you to get in, too, if you haven't already. Send that email yeah. or give us a call. We want to hear from you. One one of the things is that there's different kinds of bankruptcy. And I, uh, uh, there's the two kinds that you've probably heard about, Chapter 7 versus Chapter 13. I don't know why they're called that. But Chapter 7 is the kind of bankruptcy where you just have your debts completely erased and there's no repaying and you just, you just, you just wipe the slate clean. Basically, you take Chapter 7 bankruptcy and you're just saying, I, I can't pay now and I don't ever intend to pay. And, and you creditors that I owe money to, you're just out of luck. I'll take a hike. Yeah. Chapter 13, on the other hand, is a, is a bankruptcy. I see uh, something I pulled off the Internet today. Chapter 13 bankruptcy, sometimes called the wage earners plan or reorganization bankruptcy, is quite different from Chapter 7 bankruptcy, which wipes out most of your debts. In Chapter 13 bankruptcy, you use your income to pay some or all of what you owe to your creditors over time, anywhere from three to five years, depending on the size of your debts and income. You must have a regular income and owe less than $250,000 in unsecured and $750,000 in secured debt. Uh, these debts must also be non-contingent and liquidated, meaning they must be for a certain fixed amount and not subject to conditions. Uh, so Chapter 13 bankruptcy would basically be saying, you know, I got in a situation here and I can't pay on time. And I need, but I intend to pay, and I need to get a, 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 a re-advised schedule of, of how I will pay these things off, and maybe get the court involved in helping pay those off. Uh, some of our email responses, Jacob uh, uh, Randy uh, wrote in and said, in the way most people use bankruptcy, he says it is a sin. If a Christian files bankruptcy, that does not relieve the person's responsibility for later repaying the original bills. However, sometimes people get caught in a situation that forces them into bankruptcy. My mother and stepfather once filed bankruptcy. My stepfather had a brain aneurysm that caused him to be hospitalized for a year. After his insurance ran out, the hospital continued to treat him. My mother could have chosen to remove him from the hospital, but he would have, he would have died before they got to the car. The hospital forced them into bankruptcy to pay the bills. In other words... You know, some, we're assuming when a person goes into bankruptcy, it's because they have been out here spending extravagantly on, you know, frivolous things. 
Now, all of what we've said in the program tonight would indicate against that. Shouldn't do that. And I think it would be wrong to, to do that sort of thing and then declare bankruptcy for having done so. But sometimes, like Randy mentions, you know, you may, you may run into something that you just simply couldn't, ma- you couldn't manage, uh, you know, get a half a million dollars worth of, of, uh, medical bills. And I actually, a little research has indicated that the majority of people who declare bankruptcy do so because of extreme medical expenses. That's what's leading most people into bankruptcy these days. And so if you just simply ask for reconsideration of a schedule to pay those in time, then I wouldn't see that would necessarily be a sinful thing. Uh, Brian in Plainfield, Indiana says yes and no. Yes, if we let our debt accumulate because of materialism. No, if it was due to a particular fault of our own. Due to no particular fault. Nope, I'm sorry. uh, That is a severe severe illness, death of a spouse, loss of job, etc., Chapter 13 is a debt consolidation program that allows you to repay your debt, which would allow a Christian to meet his or her original promise to pay. So I think he's he's uh, echoing what you said there, Deb. Yeah, and let's see. We've got uh, uh, Jim in Mount Pleasant says, I do not know that it is a sin. It's allowable by law, yet it would not. It would certainly show poor stewardship if one did so. Yet I do not know that just because one made a mistake with respect to their finances and took a less than desirable action, as long as it's still legal that you could classify such as a sin, what scripture would one be able to apply that we could consider? Well, uh, in, con- in consideration of what Jim has said, uh, just because it's legal by law doesn't mean it's legal by God. Uh, we, we wouldn't argue that. I don't think Jim would argue that either. I would apply the the, the rules that we already said. You know, you, you paid a debt. You made a debt, pay it. You, you committed yourself and obligated yourself and promised to pay, pay. All of those the verses that teach about basic honesty would tell us that if you're taking a bankruptcy for the express purpose of avoiding debt that you agreed to pay, then I think we would say that's sinful. And if you've gone out and run up bills uh, at your own discretion and, and you're just looking for a way to get out of it, I think some kinds of bankruptcy would be sinful and a, and a, a, a lack of basic honesty that a Christian would be expected to demonstrate. But there, there are other kinds of bankruptcy and other kinds of circumstances. Well, Chapter 13, Deb, where you repay the debt, could still be sinful if you are not prudent in your finances and you go out and you accumulate this big pile of, of, of possessions so you can get more and more stuff. And then you don't have enough to pay on time like you promised. That's right. See, there would be a case where even though you intend to pay, you have purposely made it so that you can't pay on And you on promised time. you would pay on and, time. And, and that was by your own choice and action versus right. the fellow who ran up a bunch of unexpected medical bills. So right. the reason why I said, and people were kind of surprised by my statement, that it's not always cut and dried. I think that there are some factors that have to be taken into consideration here. Uh, Kelly wrote in, and she says, on this question, I'm stumped. I have my own thoughts just as I have my own debts, I know we're supposed to manage the money the Lord bless us with. But when there are increases in everything, but pay increases in everything but pay, it does make it difficult to pay certain things in a timely manner and still use the money the Lord intended. So I'm going to be listening for the responses to this one. Uh, so we appreciate Kelly for writing Thank you, in Kelly, on that. for for listening in uh, to the responses tonight. Keith in Lynchburg, Tennessee says. Jacob was in debt for the hand of Rachel and her sister for over 20 years. He was in debt for various things. We are in debt to the Lord for the sacrifice he made for us. I don't believe it's a sin to file bankruptcy for the simple reason bankruptcy is asking for forgiveness for our debts. It might be a sin to keep filing bankruptcy over and over since this shows a man's heart is on things he can't afford repeatedly. Even in the model prayer, the Lord said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So Keith has a little bit different take on it. 
Yeah, I really think though that the, in the Lord's prayer, when he when he said, "Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors," he was talking about our wrongs, how we've wronged someone. We're indebted for having wronged someone. I don't, I don't know that that is the same kind of debt. I don't think it is the same kind of debt we're talking about tonight. But I, I would agree. I, I think on all of these, we're seeing pretty much the same thing. That it would depend on what kind of bankruptcy it is, chapter 7 versus chapter 13, and it would depend upon what got a person in that predicament and what his attitude toward those debts was. Uh, so, again, I w- I'm, I'm taking a position that you can't say black and white about bankruptcy. You're just going to have to judge the, judge the instance. I don't think we read Brian's uh, view on what our attitude towards our possessions at the beginning of the program. I may have missed it while I was uh, working on something here on the computer. But uh, he says the most important factor as we think about our possessions, making sure you don't let your financial obligations choke out your ability to give back to God. Will the new flat screen television or new automobile hinder my work and effectiveness as a Christian? We need to remember that stuff will eventually burn someday. And uh, all the money we've got in the bank and all the things we have acquired here on this earth, uh, Anthony, are going to go up in a cloud of smoke someday. They'll be burned. And they won't matter anything to us anyways at that point. And we need to realize that these things are temporary, that we need to be focused on things that are eternal in nature. That's right. We, we brought nothing with us into this world, and we can take nothing out. And we need to, we need to keep that proper perspective at all times. And uh, it's very challenging, as we've said throughout the program, in this day and age in which we live. But it's certainly something that we, uh, we therefore have to constantly remind ourselves of. Add your closing thoughts. Well, I put together a, a, a little priority list of how we would use our money, Jacob. See if this works. Maybe I may I may have overlooked something here, but I put number one, dedicate your giving to the Lord. Number two, take care of necessities, food, clothing, shelter. Number three, pay for your obligations, the things you promised to pay because you got to keep your word. Number four, save as uh, as a way of preparing for future expenses, sort of a safety net for unexpected expenses, even for your old age when you can't any longer work. Number five, share with those who are less fortunate. Number six, last, the extra, the frivolous things. We might not ever get to that. We probably don't ever need anything. But if you're going to do some of those extras, that ought to become last behind all those other things. The problem is a lot of people want to put those things first, and that's where we get all jammed up in our finances. All right, very good. Greg Ramsey with your financial advice. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Dad, for the good discussion tonight. Well, I enjoyed it. I think it's an important topic, and we appreciate those who participated in the program with us tonight. We appreciate you participating, Anthony. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. It's always a pleasure. And, Dad, uh, one more thing we need to mention. We still have a few bumper stickers, if anyone would those like them. Magnetic, magnetic bumper stickers. Bumper stickers. So yeah. if you want one, send us an email. We'll try to get one in the mail to They're you right running away. low, though. By so the way, those up. of you who've asked for them, we got them in the mail. Maybe we got one more to mail, but I think we uh, one more we haven't mailed out yet that's been requested. But so far, we've, we've kept up with those requests. So if you requested one, be looking for them in the mail. All right. Uh, we appreciate you being a part of the program tonight. We hope you benefited from our discussion. We hope you'll be back here next week as we look to the Bible again for important lessons from God's Word. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College
College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.